It is Monday, April 3rd, 2017. So as many people, probably everyone listening knows, I have been living on and off in Ecuador for three years. Um, And before that, I studied abroad in Costa Rica. So uh, first of all, I guess I say that because I've been fairly interested in Latin American history, especially modern Latin American history. Actually, I would credit my modern Latin American history class that I took my second year of college as probably the reason I ended up living abroad at all. Um, I was taught by a really amazing professor. Uh, A shout out to Alejandro de la Fuente, who uh, I think showed me uh, a different point of view on history um, and just an incredibly intelligent man. But here in Ecuador, there's a lot going on. There are some some things I'm sure that people know about uh, in South America, but Ecuador itself is a fairly small country. So I don't know how much people would know about it specifically. Um, One thing that I've seen living here is that there are so many people now from Venezuela that have come here due to the terrible situation in in their country currently. And that's actually a lot of what we're going to talk about in this podcast. Um, I've been, I guess, kind of just curious and asking people, you know, probably the past year and a half, two years since I started meeting more Venezuelans trying to just figure out what's wrong, how how did it start to get so bad there. Um, and in this podcast, I talk with Anna Cecilia, who's Esther's daughter. Um, and Anna lived on the border between Colombia and Venezuela in a tiny, tiny town uh, on the Colombian side. And I'll be honest, I haven't edited this much, partially because I just wanted to publish it. And I wanted to publish it really because it is particularly relevant to today. Um, So I recorded this on Saturday. It was super spontaneous. I just ended up talking to Anna and then I was like, wait a second, can I record you? This is, you know, what what I'm so curious about. And so that was Saturday. And then yesterday, Sunday, were the presidential elections here in Ecuador. Now, it was the second round of presidential elections. I think it was three weeks ago that they had the first round and that they had I think six candidates that ran in that one and so they had to have a runoff in the second round. So the two candidates that ran yesterday were Lasso and Lenin, Lenin Moreno. So Lasso is conservative and the one really as seen as as a change for Ecuador and Lenin was on the side of the same party that has been in power for about 10 years now under Rafael Correa. Um, so in a so kind of, I think, surprising turn of events, uh, Lasso lost. And some people are worried about fraud. Um, there might be protests today. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But we talk a lot about that a little as well um, in in the conversation here. Uh, but yeah, look news up online. Find out what's going on if you're at all curious. Um, again, also, I, I hope this is informative. Um, but yeah, there's a lot in South America that I think not a lot of people know about and I am curious about, so I hope you, uh, enjoy going on the journey of questions with me. But before I talk anymore, (laughs) here we go. 
And, and I used to live in Cúcuta. Uh-huh. This is a little, it's not really little, it's uh, the capital of the department, you know, the state. Uh-huh. It's called Norte de Santander, but like it's pro- forgiven by the government. Like a province? Yeah, it's a province. Okay. That's it, yeah, yeah. It's a province, that's it. And it's near to Venezuela, yes? Uh-huh. So when I came there, I moved because I met my ex-husband. Uh-huh. We had uh, we had met online. Yes. So we were both writers. Mm-hmm. We are both writers. I haven't written anymore, but we were both writers and we... Oh, my God. I, maybe you haven't heard of this. MSN Messenger? Have you ever heard of that? Like text messaging? Yeah. yeah. No, no, you haven't heard of it. It's, <laughs> it's like the Facebook run, great grandparent. Something like that. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so terrible. So we, we used to talk like that and we like, oh, I love you. And we, you know. Like later. before WhatsApp or before. Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was like that. And then um, it was so hard for him to get a visa for Honduras. So mm-hmm. I, it was easy for me. So I decided and, and went to, to, to well, see him. Wait, what were you doing in Honduras before you left? Were you teaching there too? No, no, no. I had never... I have taught before, but not, not like long time. Like I am a teacher now. Mm-hmm. I I used to be a secretary. Okay. Yeah. I was a marketing assistant for security companies. Oh. We used to say camera security guards. Whoa. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I, my my company was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of big. It supplied the security for the American embassy in Honduras. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of... That's why I told you. I used to go to embassies. I, I used to go... Uh, yeah. I, you know, it was a city, a big city girl. Even though Tegucigalpa is small compared to Quito. Right. For right. <laughs> but anyway, I used to know many people from uh-huh. different places. So in that time, from Mexico, I started to come a way of crime. A, a crime? Crime. Because, because they started to... to to expel, to deport people from the U.S., okay. but they were they belonged to gangs. Okay. And yeah. they came from Mexico down, and a wave of crime arrived to Honduras. In that Wait, time. why did they leave Mexico though? They they ah because because it's easy. If you are in Mexico, you can take a bus and you can be in Honduras in two days. Yeah, but why did they want to leave Mexico? Because they had more market, my friend. Oh, Honduras was like more uh, wealthy. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. They can expand. It's a business for them. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Like the gang uh-huh. market. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. something like that. <laughs> so in that time, the Usigalpa became really dangerous. Uh-huh. Like you couldn't wear your medicated glasses. No. Because it would take them from your Prescription face. glasses? Nothing. Like nothing. It was ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. Yeah. And um, it was so dangerous. So when I arrived to Cúcuta, the first time I arrived, I'm going to tell you how I met Cúcuta. Yes. So this city is really hot. And it's just a tiny you, town on the border of Colombia uh-huh, and Venezuela. Um, I'm telling you, yes. Yeah. So this town was really quiet. You know? <laughs> I, I was used to... You know, the noise of the city and the rush and everybody rushing. Yeah. And you have to be home before 7 because otherwise you may not make it home. Oh, my gosh. You know? And then I come here and I used to grab my bag. Uh-huh. Like, so nobody would, would take it from me. And people looked at me like I was crazy. Like, who's that lady? And why is she acting like that? <laughs> because I used to look 
everywhere so nobody would, would take my things from yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Because it was good, but it was like the worst already. Wow. Uh-huh. And what year was this that you went there? I went there in 2007, I okay. think. Okay, yes, right. 10 years ago. Wow, oh my God. Uh-huh, and, and it was it was great. So it was like a novelty for them because, as I tell you, it's a small city. Right. Not many foreigners arrived to this city. Yeah. So everybody was very welcoming and very Aww. warm. And like, wow, where are you from? Tell us more about yourself. Aww. And it, it, it has a little tongue charm. Two things. People would ask you everything. Uh-huh. And they would care for you. If, if you have some neighbor people, they would be like, hi, how are you? And they would help you. And they would invite you to their places Aww. to eat coffee. And they would, you know, you know their children. And it's yeah. very friendly. That's very, awesome. Yeah, I, it's, it's the charm of a little town. Uh-huh. The disadvantage was that everybody wants to know everything. Oh, is that your boyfriend? <laughs> and you were like, oh, my God. <laughs> so oh, it was yeah. like that, how I met Cucuta. In that time... Okay, uh, Venezuela and Colombia have, have had different ages, different moments, because first, Venezuela was very rich. Yeah. So, the peso, the Colombian peso was very cheap. So, okay. many people went to Venezuela to work, ah, because okay. they earned more money. Right. So, it was, uh, in that moment, Venezuela had a lot of power. Uh-huh. And then it started everything with Chavez and yeah, yeah. And the situation in Colombia deteriorated the, uh-huh. in, in Cucuta. Because, as I told you before, 85% of the population in Cucuta depends on commerce. In Venezuela, because they are just there. Right. You just take a taxi, in 20 minutes you get to Venezuela, yeah. buy some things in, in Bolivar. In that moment, when I arrived, peso was more expensive, Bolivar yeah. was cheaper. Right. So it was... Nice, you changed, exchanged your currency, uh-huh. and then you, you had a lot of bolivares. Yeah. Then you could buy many things in Venezuela. Right, right, right. In that moment, 10 years ago. So many people lived from that. They just lived off of trading money? That, oh, yes. Wow. Trading money. <clears throat> There's a, a lot, a lot of exchange houses, currency. Yeah. Uh-huh. A lot. And many people had in the little stores, uh-huh. they sell Venezuelan products. Oh, okay. Even the big stores. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they would go buy it in Venezuela and then come back and sell uh-huh, it in Cucuta. Uh-huh, that's it. Wow. And, and gas, very cheap. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so that's a, the situation. I come here and the situation is, is like that for a time. Like a couple of years ago, uh, no, uh, the, the situation in Venezuela really deteriorated. Yeah, yeah. So Venezuelans started to have problems to supply food. Yeah, yeah. Toilet paper. Right. Which is a, a inner joke, but I think it's too cruel to laugh at because it's not funny because they are really suffering. They don't right. have toilet paper. Right, yeah. I mean, how cruel is that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So whenever once Venezuela won a soccer match, mm-hmm. and the Venezuela were laughing at Colombia, and Colombia were showing toilet paper. No. But I, I think that's not funny because it's so cruel. Yeah. I mean, poor people really suffering. Yeah. So Chávez started to say that that it was Colombian fault. Yes, it was our fault. So he started to close the border. Why was he saying it was Colombia? Because fault? he had to fool. Somewhere. Okay. But the- and you know what happened? This is a story. Venezuelans are really educated people. Mm-hmm. Some people have a lot of education 
like a post master's degree yeah. and the doctorate. I mean, they have a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have met Venezuelan who are really bright. Yeah. And basically they left before Chavez. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or when Chavez started to arrive, they left. Yeah, yeah. If they could, they left. So what did Chavez do? He started giving um, canasta basica, they call it. So they give you some basic food, eh, oil, okay. beans, you know, some food. Like a, and, like, like a package that you would exactly, get. Okay, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And he would give it to people so they would support him. Oh, my gosh. And that population who didn't study, who didn't work, they just received government oh. money. They say they are Chavistas. Oh. So they supported Chavez. Oh, my gosh. That's how he made it. Wow. Because educated people either fight or left. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Even last night, I told you we had the, the campaign. Someone said, yo creo in Chavez. And I was like, you believe in Chavez? And I was like asking them why. And he, he was like, well, Chavez represents the people. That's how we get in. That's how that kind of government portrayed themselves. But he this didn't represent the people. They are, yeah. I'm sorry for my French. <laughs> they're, they're just having, you know, the people happy, but they're taking all the money from the government. Venezuela is They, Venezuela have their own resources. They have a lot of oil. Mm -hmm. So the government is very rich. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. And Venezuela used to have everything. You used to go to the store and you wanted pasta. Yeah. So there was herbs, there was everything you want. Right, right. And yeah. now there is nothing. Oh I mean, because they say, oh, it's, it's Colombians' fault because they come here and buy everything. If you go to Cúcuta and you buy everything, the next day you have the, the store full again. Yeah. Because that's how how capitalism works. Right, you know? right. You sell and then you buy more and then you sell more and that's perfect. It's good yeah. for the business. Uh huh. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a problem that the Colombia that they are is true. They are buying things in Venezuela. Is true. They shouldn't leave them empty. Right. And the problem with uh, this, it's called San Antonio del Táchira. Táchira is the region of Venezuela ah, next okay. to Cúcuta. Okay, okay. They oppose to Chavez. Yeah. So they don't give them food. <gasps> oh my gosh. So lately, uh, last year, uh -huh. it was it was pretty dramatic because the government expelled Colombian who yeah. have lived in Venezuela. Wait, forever. they like, they deported Colombian. They deported Colombian. Oh my gosh. And they 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 brought trucks and machines and they. Um, their houses, they tore them down. What? Yes. And they expelled them with nothing. They came through the border, had lived in Venezuela all their lives, and they came through the bridge crying. Oh, my God. Like that. It was terrible. Yeah. Like a thousand people. <gasps> oh, my and gosh. And it was horrible. Right was by where you live is where they left them. Yeah. 20 minutes. I'm 20 minutes from the border. I used yeah. to live in Villa Rosario, which is... Yeah. You take a car here outside the street, uh -huh. say, I'm going to the border. And it takes you 20 minutes. To wow, go. yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, and they charge you 1,000 pesos, which is like 30 cents. Yeah, here. yeah. So, all these people here in. in uh, hi. hi! Hi, how are you? I escaped. They have been tied up in bed. I'm telling her the story of the. Drama, Venezuela, and Cuba. I'm so intrigued. It, it has escalated. It was. Yeah. It started gradually. Uh huh. 
And the thing is that some people still support them because yeah. they, they still give them some food. Right. I was telling them that, uh, well, that's what we heard. I'm not a politician or no. Right, right. But they said that uh, what they do is that they keep the military happy. Because... Oh, because that's how they keep their power. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Wait, okay, so I was actually, I was talking to my one Venezuelan friend about how everything started, and I still don't totally understand. Let me, this is what I gathered from him, but tell me your perspective. So he was saying that basically, because Venezuela was doing really well economically like 10 years ago, right? Yeah, like they were on par with the dollar, like they were equal or something. And now what is it? Like 4,000 bolivares is a dollar or something like that. So he was saying it was good, like the people were happy. And then Chavez was trying to make Venezuela more about Venezuela. Like they were like, we don't need foreign companies. We don't need these people as a part of our country. Like we... We can do it ourselves. You know when when it started to happen that he started to say that company from the government and he stole the company basically. Like stole all their money or everything. I, I I met this professor, Venezuelan professor. He taught in in university in Cúcuta. Uh huh. And all his savings from all his life were taken by the government because he voted no against Chavez. <gasps> and that, uh, the, those votes, which yeah. are, you know, secret, they were public. And he got stones thrown to his house. What? And he was thrilled. He had to, he had to run. Oh my gosh. He, so he came to Colombia and of course, when the principal in the university, the decano, decan? How do you call that? The principal? In, in the university? Okay, so he saw this resume from this guy, doctorate and doctorate and many things. He said, please, come to to Colombia. I give you money. Do you need? I lend you. Take my car and go to talk to the other... Like the university president. Yeah. We need you here. Uh But they took all his savings. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And then he says, no, that house... Uh, it's from the cap- capitalists. No, we need it for the people. For the people. So that's what they say. The government says it's for the people. And but they, it's not. And they convince the people that don't it, know that, or they want to believe that it's. But it's only people who are educated, people who know what's going on, either fight or leave. Venezuela. Wow. They, but the people who are fighting, how can they even fight? Like, how can they? What can they even do when it's like the? There is this guy in prison. Yeah. Because he, you know, these people do, they march in the, yeah. on the street. Right. So he, Leopoldo, his name is. Leopoldo? Leopoldo. I oh, mean, Leopoldo. <laughs> Leopoldo. I don't know his last name. Yeah. I forgot. So he said, let's march against the government and all. And in Wait, that is march, that was that like two years ago when they were marching? Two or three years. I was going to say, because I remember seeing the big, the big marches in the capital in Caracas. So in that march, there were, there were... Uh, these uh, riots and some yeah. people died, 39 people died. Yeah. And the government said it was his fault because he had called the march and he is in jail ever since. Oh for no reason at all. Because uh, he's innocent. Yeah. But he can't leave and they are they have him trapped there. So but that's one person that's fighting so he did he's the leader. He's the leader. His wife is this woman who came and they didn't let her enter in Ecuador? Uh, Wait, is she living in the U.S. right now? Uh-huh. Oh. 
that that is his wife, oh and they gosh. are leaders of the resistance. They are the the the, the people you see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Also, also, the parts that you don't see is that the United States government has a lot of. Excuse me, did you eat something, babe? Yes, uh-huh, I did. I gave her a little food. She did. It was so good. But if, you know, if we wanted to, like, drink coffee and eat more bread, I could. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't oppose. I'm sure I could find a way of eating more food somehow. I'd find a way. (laughs) No, but ahí está tu fundita. You have... Oh, yes, you forgot. Oh, yeah, I know. I couldn't... I was in the taxi when I realized I was so mad at myself. But it's, it's... it's the yeah. same way we found it. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying the U.S. Oh, yeah. In so what do they do? countries, what they do is they try to undermine the government, especially if the government is not cooperating, cooperating with the U.S. government. Yeah. So what they do is they fund the, uh, the resurgence, like guys who protest, they pay them money yeah. and stuff like that. But they also promise them a lot of things in terms of, listen, if you're into problems, your, your family is going to be welcome in the States and all this and all that. Huh. Because what they try to do is that by undermining the government, they try to overthrow it. And yeah. they would find people who are contras. Uh huh, yeah. And they would fund them. Yeah. And yeah. they would try to give them support and yeah. all this and all that. So, because the United States, what it wants, especially like with Venezuela with the oil and all that, right, right, is they want access to the oil. Yeah. And they also want a country that is um, amicable to the United States and its policies. Because, as you know, the United States tries to get into all the countries. Everything. Yes. They want to control the government and they want to, you know, have everything done the United States way. Right, right. You know, their form of democracy or whatever, or the republic. So these are things that went with uh, people like Chavez before he died, Uh is that he's outspoken against the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by virtue of that, he, um, he he was considered a hostile nation. Right. So the United States, what it does, is being being in the United Nations and all this and all that, try to get other governments to cut him off to like yeah. an unofficial embargo. Right, right. But in, in the country itself, Chavez has means because he... Uh, affiliated with Cuba. Right, right, right. Oh, Cuba, I know. Cuba Russia. would go through other countries. Russia. Okay, yeah. Now, what happens is, what people don't see is that there's always conflict oh, or wow. competition between Russia and the United States. Yeah, yeah. So wherever the United States is supporting one one government, one part of the government, Russia is supporting the other side. Huh, yeah. In all countries. So uh, Chavez was being supported by Castro and the Russian government. Wow. So and the United States have to attract the balance. Yeah. Airplanes, he received a, a, a weapon. Okay. Weapons. They, yeah. And that's, that's how they do. I mean, the United States is going to send, like, for instance, let's say they overthrow him and they put somebody, they install right. a leader who is a friend with the United States. They're going to give him all the weapons, all the funding, yeah. all the government yeah. support and everything. Now, what happens, like, with the Shah of Iran, United States, that was his puppet. Right, yeah. So once they overthrew him, all the technology, all the things that they had now becomes yeah. the people's, you know, from yeah. the opposition. Yeah. So the same thing like in, in, in Venezuela, to maintain power, they have to suppress opposition. Yeah. And the way they do it is people disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they control the media, so you don't know about it. 
But this is isn't this a theme throughout like all of Latin America? Like not every just, country not has just had Latin this. Latin America. Oh. Throughout the world, you have it in Africa. In Honduras, they underdeveloped countries. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily Latin America, underdeveloped. Yeah. Yes. And the thing is that in in Honduras in the nineteen eighties, uh-huh. those they get they got two hundred people disappeared. Well, they also what they also use is a lot of death squads. Yeah, that's yeah. the enforcers, and you find it in every country. Yeah, what they do is you speak too much. It was much. more. It was more in the seventies, baby, not in the eighties. Oh. In the seventies, is during the um, uh, we did not have democracy. It was um. No, actually, when the military take over. It's a it's a, a coup. coup. It's a coup. A um, what I'm happens? Back. No. Golpe de Estado. Golpe de Estado. Ah, ya. Entonces, en, en la década de los 70, casi toda Latinoamérica estaba con tiranos, no con, no con yeah. presidentes, right. sino que con generales mandando yeah. el país. Right. Well, like dictadura, dictadura. Well, like in Guatemala, they have that, right? They well, and they had. In Chile, they had Pinochet, in Argentina. Honduras, we had. Honduras. Somoza, in Nicaragua. Yeah. I mean, Panama they, had Noriega. Yeah. So, but Venezuela hasn't had this problem. They've been okay for a while, well, right? Because they had the oil. They yeah. had the oil. They had the money. But what happened is that they what what a big problem is that um, I think they also forfeited. Did you use a demo or they did a forfeit on their um, on their bonds? Yeah. So with that. Your credit goes through the through the door. Right, right. Door. And um, if you don't pay your bills, nobody wants to deal with you. Right, right. So what it do, does, it creates a money supply crunch. Yeah. And what you have to do then, if there's an embargo or a unofficial embargo on you, you can't sell your oil. Yeah, yeah. Like they did to Iran. Right. Until they lifted the embargo, yeah. they were stifled. Well, that's what they they say that I mean, in Venezuela, isn't oil cheaper than water? It is, but they have nowhere to sell it to. Yeah, because they because just have United so much. Because the United States put pressure, like if, if they're, they're Venezuela, uh-huh. you my ally and the United States, uh-huh. I say to you, listen, if you buy his oil, I'm going to cut you off. And that's so nobody wants right. To so exactly. what you do is they do it on the black market. She would sell to her and you would buy from them. And then I'm like, oh, I just bought from them over exactly. there. I didn't... It goes around, but I mean, yeah. and not only that, the bad thing about it is that you have in the United States government congressmen yeah. who are working against the government yeah. in promoting that, that kind of business. Right. Because for them, it's more beneficial. They make more money. Yeah. On the black market, the, the price of oil is double. Right. At least. Right. Yeah. So they want to enforce something like that because they will turn around and they will make contracts with her yeah. through different shell companies. Yeah, yeah. And this way that the money is coming into them through different offshores, Switzerland, uh-huh. Bahamas, Caymans, all these places, and they're selling the very same oil that their government is saying that they can't buy. They're buying it and selling it through. Wow. Yeah. The same thing they did with um, when you had the, uh, the embargo against Russia with the rice. Okay, yeah. The grain. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Um, United States had, the United States had put an embargo against um, Russia. What they did was the very same United States uh, businessmen, they made deals with companies uh-huh. 
outside of the United States and outside of Russia. Yeah. And what they did, they supplied them. And in turn, they sold to Russia. Wow. So that's how they go around yeah. the embargoes and the different um, rules. Because they said, wait, yeah. I didn't know it was going there. I sold over here. Yeah. What he did, yeah. I have no idea. Not only that, most of these people are what you call um, ghost partners. Okay, yeah. Their, name, their names do not appear in any official... Ah, like transfer or any... There's yeah. no... I mean, they're like... They are it's like they're, they're silent partners. Being my, my, I am your ghost partner, by the exactly. way. Exactly. Returning the... Uh, the ghost? Yes, I am. Okay. Honey, yeah. where are you going? I'm gonna clean my nails. Oh, I thought ah. you go somewhere. You get all dressed up. Yeah, so, oh, because they always take picture of me. So for yeah. <laughs> so okay. So the my question is, I guess, in all of this, so there are multiple problems, being with one, people won't trade with them, so that really hurts the economy. But also, the government is corrupt. Right, so and, and, the, and you know what? What we have there? Yeah. Today, I'm going to tell you two pictures I saw on Facebook today because I have many, of, of course, people from Kubuta who are my Facebook friends. Right. So today, uh, there was a, 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 a picture from the police who had captured a guy with three bars of cheese. Three bars of cheese. Imagine that crime. It was terrible. So he offered to give the police money because people are very corrupt there. No, yeah. the police was really upset and he went to jail. For cheese. For cheese. Three bars of cheese. At night, uh-huh. they load trucks from people who are very rich. And they load trucks, and the guard in Venezuela agrees with that, and everything agrees with that because everybody receives money, and that, and they move money. So wait, people, But they, they are bothering the people who are coming to buy some to things buy for their family. Or, so like a whole truck will go in with like a truck full of cheese. Uh-huh. And, and, and they wouldn't say anything. And then, but people who are just trying to live... Yeah, you know, they make their, their income like that. And how can they earn, what can they earn from that? Yeah. I mean, so that is really upsetting for people there because once there was a march from people who wanted to, they said, you cannot bring a smuggler, small, you call that. A smuggler. Smugglers. Oh, smugglers. So they made a march. Wasn't it fun? Because that's a, a, a crime. You cannot do that. And they were marching because it, that's something you give for granted in Google. That you smuggle. Everyone yeah, smuggles. That, that's what they did. They go through the board, go to Chile, 50 minutes from the yeah. yeah. They, they and they go back and forth. They go back and forth. But, that's what they do. Uh, yeah. So, As a matter of fact, they did say that about the go to Venezuela, buying oil, uh-huh. and bring it over in, you know, uh, little cans, yeah, bottles, yeah. everything, and sell it. Wow. That's what they do in the little yeah. town in Cocuta. You would see the um, the container of gasoline, and yeah. that place is so hot. I don't know how they risk their life because they have the gasoline that they have bought across the border, and they sell it there. Wow. Every block there is a, people, a person selling gas. No way. Yeah. How much is that? Yeah. But how, so are... Is does Cucuta have a lot of people from Venezuela that a lot now everybody yeah. you don't have to leave yes, the border. like but people border. doesn't no one like in Colombia says hey you have to get out you don't have your visa well, not in Cucuta Cucuta and San Antonio yeah. have been yeah. very friendly very friendly yeah. so you I could go to San Antonio 
Cross the border, nobody asks you for papers. Just like, just like Tulcan, Tulcan APIs. Uh, every, every border town has a special unofficial agreement that uh, you live right there, you will walk back and forth all day, no problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is that's what that's happened when I went to Panama. Like, I, we were waiting in the passport line from Costa Rica to Panama, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting forever, and people are just walking back yeah. and forth, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> but yeah. No, but because we had to walk over a bridge to get there, you couldn't even drive cars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what happens with most of these border towns. Yeah. Because even you don't have the United States. Yeah. Matamoros. Don't where? Matamoros. Is that on the border with Mexico and the United States? Matamoros. I don't know that town. Oh yeah, that's, I know. that's one of the biggest crossing points for uh, for illegals. Oh. It's a big business. Wow, well, I know Tijuana. No, that's small. <sighs> oh wow. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, well, now they're... It's talking. like, the border is right here. This, this, where this parking lot right. is. The United States here, this is Mexico. Yeah. And you, I the live here and work, I want to buy bread over there. The guys who yeah. work over there, the United States, and the, the government over here, the Mexicans, yeah. they're buddy buddies with each other. And she goes over every day. And she takes people over every day. All she does is certain guys that she's going to pay off and they're gone. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, okay. So that's problem number one is they don't have resources and it's hard to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Problem two is that the government is corrupt. Uh, and no, takes from every people. government is corrupt. That government, <laughs> I mean, that's special. That's all their case. Because Governments I don't... Governments are corrupt. Yeah. Everyone. But this one is like... like special. Like, really. No, like scary. They're all the same. Guatemala, no, this government is really scary. Guatemala. But are people fleeing from Guatemala? Are they what? Are they like leaving Guatemala? They the same way? To, they yeah. To, but you have killer squads. Right. When you ride on the road in Guatemala, mm-hmm. at any moment, they could, if you're in a car, bus, whatever, they yeah. can stop it, they come in and say, we want money. That's actually my friend lived there. She did the program here, and she said that they were, the bus driver is one of the in Guatemala is one of the most dangerous jobs in the entire Absolutely. world. And not only that, what they'll do if you they could take you off the bus, shoot you right there. Yeah, there. that's what she said. Yeah, they would just get killed, but like yeah. all the time. But what's up? So you basically pay them off for your life. Well, the the thing is this: the government, most of these governments are backed by the military. Right. So the military has a free hand mm-hmm. to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. And everything is so corrupt that there is no discipline, there's no correction, there's nothing. Yeah. So if you're an officer and you like that swing, that you gotta come and you can take it. Yeah. If you like her daughter hmm. or her husband son or whatever. Oh my gosh. You just yeah, yeah. let's go. In the middle of the night, you don't see no more. Yeah. And that's the end of that. And yeah. who's going to investigate? Yeah. They're not going to investigate right. themselves because they're all doing it. They're all yeah. participating. So what? Okay. So this being, I mean, obviously a problem not unique to Venezuela, but very much intense in Venezuela. What would it take to change? Like, what would it take for it to stop? I know oh, that's boy. a big question. It's, what happens is this. It's like with any government. All it's going to do is you're going to change hands. This person will take over, and for the beginning, they okay, we're gonna clean up. What they're gonna clean up is they're gonna catch all the government officials who they say are corrupt, yeah, and they're gonna put them in jail or execute them, whatever, yeah. And then the new person gonna take over and they're gonna do exactly the same thing, yeah. 
All it is is different. I mean, but but right now, like for example, Chile is doing well. Like Chile has a, their economy is doing well. Well, that's on the front. You think that it's that's not? That's on the front. When you go and you talk to the people, the common people, you'll find out that it's different. You see, one of the things that government does is control the media. Yeah. So the information that gets out is what they want to get out. And they yeah. will not put the, the dirty thing out for you to see. Yeah. So the things that they're doing behind closed doors, you'll never know. Unless somebody, some dissident, decides, okay, listen, I had enough of this, I'm going to send a secret file to some publisher or some newspaper person and for them to yeah, yeah. Once that happens, that person is gone. Yeah, but they it's go- definitely a different level between, like, yeah, if you're in Chile, Argentina, here in Ecuador, in Peru, I mean, yes, there are problems. I'm not saying there aren't problems, but we're not, we're not like, oh, are we going to be able to eat tonight? We don't have toilet paper, or we're not walking outside, like, scared that we're going to get killed. Yeah, I know pretty much everyone has gotten robbed at some point or, like, pickpocketed. But that's different than, like, what in Venezuela. Like, you can't get killed. Yeah. You don't have food. And it's a sit on a citizen level, it's, right. it's, well, it's gone to happens, every... What happens is the reason why is because there's no balance. Once you have the military dictatorship in power... Yeah. They'll do whatever they have to do, and government is in their hand. Even government ministers yeah. are scared of their lives. Yeah. So what happens is that the difference between those and, like, let's say, an Ecuador is Ecuador is kind of being under the scrutiny of the United States. Right. They're not very close to Russia, per se. Yeah. So there's no conflict, no competition going on. Yeah. But what happens is that now the government here, they, they have a, a form of democracy. Yeah. Say they now they're having elections and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's corruption there too because now they're calling for a second election, which is going to be tomorrow. right, right. Because of that corruption, and it does happen anywhere you go. Yeah. The problem is that in these, like let's say, um, these are the places where the military is in charge. There is no such thing as democracy. Yeah. It's total. I do. I tell you what to do. You do it, yeah. no questions, no if, buts, or maybe's about it. Yeah. You challenge me, you go into jail, your family disappears. And everybody knows it. Yeah. So those people who are vocal enough that who are supported by the United States government, money or whatever, yeah. will stand up and there are people who don't care. Right. There are people who are so fed up that they will speak out. Yeah. Because you do have people who are, you know, up to the point where they're like, you know what, I have nothing to lose. Right, right. So they will talk out, and for a minute, the government will allow them to speak because if they just disappear now, yeah, they, you know, they might have to explain it later on. So right. what they do, they let them talk for a while, and then all of a sudden they disappear. Yeah. You don't hear nothing from them again. Huh. And what basically happens is that they're taken out. Yeah. Yeah. So tomorrow, well, no one knows what's going to happen. What do you think? The, the thing the, in the media, that famous WhatsApp, they're saying that there might be manifestation because maybe Korea would like to be in power. power. If that happens, we should have enough food and we should not be going really? So, like, I should go buy food tonight. Yes, you go <laughs> you don't want to be on the street because, for one thing... Tomorrow, I don't want to be on the street. What you have, what you have to understand is this. This is not like the United States. Even the United States is, is, it could be like that. Yeah, I mean, we've had the, the police are on edge. Here. Because, yeah. yeah, because what happens is that 
when you have protesters mm -hmm. out on the street, you might have some idiot who decides to take a bottle and throw it. Right. And that's all he needs to spark a riot. Right. When there's a riot, these guys are shooting. Yeah. They're not going to ask you, well, did you do anything? They're going to shoot you, and then they later on, they're going to cover it up. And that's... People here shooting people? Yes, yes the, the police, police. The police shoot. That's how people were killing Venezuela in the first place. Yeah. Because they were in a manifestation. And you know what they do? It's they, not a manifestation, it's a protest. Yeah, that's what I meant. Of course, <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> so so what they it. do, and they have identified these guys. The same person yeah. starts riots in different places. It's the same person. Uh, so they they think they infiltrate these. Um, well, you saw they no. tried to they tried to kill Lasso at the soccer yeah. game, didn't they? They tried yeah. to like kill him, right? The police were protecting him, no. or they yeah. were just messing with they him. They were just throwing stones, not killing. I don't know. People are vocal, they get to the point where, but then also you have to be, you know, you have to be leery of things because in politics, a lot of things go on that people don't hear about. For instance, Lasso's opponent. Yeah, Lenin. What he could do is because he's been a part of the incumbent. He doesn't what? He's the incumbent. Ah, uh, yeah. So what he could do is, what, what has happened before is that what they do is they send police in in civilian clothes. Yeah. Let's say a protest. Uh-huh. And they would stir up the people to do something. Oh yeah, we don't we don't want this one, we don't want that one, and you know, start a fight or start something that is gonna bring out a really blow because you have to understand that in mass organizations or mass protests, yeah, people are like trigger happy. Right. But all it takes is one little spark and the whole thing mm -hmm. like a like a dominance effect. Yeah. So what happens that when these these politicians, I mean, it's all psychology. Uh -huh. What they do, they send somebody in to start something. Yeah. The police don't know about it. They react. Yeah. And there might be one person, a rookie, whoever, or somebody where it's pre-planned, and they will say, you know what, let's shoot. And somebody will just as them feel threatened, bam, and all it takes is one shot. Yeah. The rest are so nervous, they think, Maybe somebody's shooting at them. Because if you notice, like in some of the things that cops go in, they, they shout gun, uh -huh. they start shooting. Yeah. Automatically, they start, you just shout gun, people get, get hit. Right. And the same thing happened with these police. They're scared to death. Yeah. Because they can die just as well as the protester. Right. So once somebody fires a shot, yeah. Even though it's not in their direction, they're not going to stop to ask questions or to, well, is it shot at me or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And they had pictures from this guy. They feel the threatened. same guy in five different places uh, throwing stones to the police. It was this guy. There were no other protesters. No way. Some of them are paid too. Mm -hmm. they, they're called paid insurgents. Yeah. So. Tomorrow we will see what happens here, I guess. But if if Lenin wins, the people will be mad, right? Or if Korea does something. They're afraid that the, it will be like in Venezuela. That's what they fear. Mm. It will be the same. So do I know if it's going to become like Venezuela here? Well, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I think no one wants that. Um, the people are worried and the country is divided and so time will tell 
and I think that's all that we can really say for now. I am hoping to explore some more questions like this and actually more about Venezuela soon. And I also, for those of you who don't know, hope to be going this summer and actually uh, taking a trip where I'll be asking a lot more questions. Um, I won't get into the details of that now, but that's something uh, that I, I am going to kind of be working on as a project uh, for, for the time to come. Uh, hopefully a more focused project where I've published more consistent podcasts as opposed to the sporadic nature, uh, which I've done so, so far. But yeah, um, for everyone who made it this far, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and as always, feel free to write me questions or any commentary. I, I would love that. And I will add, if you are someone who prays, uh, definitely feel free to pray for what's going on in Ecuador and Venezuela. I mean, there are many parts of the world uh, that have so many people suffering. But right now, of course, uh, particularly evident one, if you want to add it to your list, that would be awesome. Okay, that's all for now.